The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Welcome to Three Yards Per Caddy, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon. And we're on, and welcome to another edition of Three Yards Per Carry. I'm Alfredo Arteaga. Simon Clancy is here. Chris Kaufman is here. And as always, we are brought to you by Manscaped. Use the promo code 5RSN, and you get 20% off your entire order, plus free shipping. Of course, we're brought to you by Better Edge. Dot com. Go to betteredge.com slash the number five reasons and you get $25 just for signing up. And of course, prize picks. Use promo code, promo code 5FIVE and you deposit $100 and you get $100 back. Okay. Simple as that. And it's a one time rollover, which means you bet it through once, they give you $100. So they're essentially giving you $100. Just take it. Promo code 5FIVE. And, and of course, we're finally back online. You can buy T-shirts again from the the Five Reasons shop. It's been a, almost a year that you couldn't buy T-shirts from us. Now you can, so go get them. We have the the Greatest Show on Surf T-shirt, which is kind of poignant now. We have the Speed Kills T-shirt, which is odd because we used an emoji, and I remember I was asked which emoji do you want to use for the penguin, and I picked uh, another emoji, which is evidently the wrong one because the one that got picked is the one that Jalen Waddle turned into earrings and he wears on game day every single day. I mean, every single Sunday. So we ended up picking the right emoji. Go get your t-shirts there. All right, guys. Can you still get the, uh, the, uh, two of Miami 2020 t-shirts or are they? I just- believe so. Um, you know, I, don't quote me on this, but I think you could go on there and order it. And I don't know if they'll make it for you or not, or they'll tell you it's out of stock. I don't know. Like, I, I wish I knew, but I know you could get the speed kills one. And that's, that's one I want to get. Uh, but yeah, we're finally back online after a year. You could get t-shirts again from us. All right. I wanted to talk about in the second half, we're going to talk about Browns, Dolphins, because I think there's there's a couple of matchups, sexy matchups, I think, for this this game on Sunday. I think this is a this is a real test. I think this is going to be a good game. I, that Cleveland Browns roster is loaded. Uh, yeah, the, the, you know, their, their record sucks. I understand that. OK, they're, they're probably not all that great, but that's a good roster. And at their best, they're pretty tough. That's that's a decent offense. One of the best run games. In the league, great pass rusher. They're they're decent, okay? But we'll talk about it in the second half of the show. In the first half of the show, we're, we're going to examine a few things. And the first thing I'm going to examine is, is this. The first thing I want to talk about is this. Uh, the evidence is kind of in, okay? I've been looking at this, this, this team and seeing who's underperforming, who's actually overperforming. We have the obvious ones. Emmanuel Ogba's had an, an awful year, save for that, that Bills game. But he's been injured. Okay, the one guy I can't explain and he's being asked to do even more and more every single week is Xavier Howard. And I wanted to ask and I'll start with you, Simon. Is it time that Josh Boyer starts to dial it back a little bit and starts to transition this defense out of of all of that man that they're playing? Maybe it was just, you know, Bradley Chubb was only here for one game. okay, against the Bears. But, you know, I, I got. I went over that game. They just played man, completely bump, bump and run, press man most of the game against the Bears. No respect whatsoever for Justin Fields' throwing ability. And the pressure that they put on Xavier Howard week in and week out, it's – it's and the guy, you know, the guy's not healthy. Is it time to start dialing it back just a little bit because circumstances have changed? Um. I mean, Xavier Howard's paid an extremely large amount of money to do what he does. So, I mean, on that front, I wouldn't say so. I also think you're playing one of the best zone-beating wide receivers in the NFL in Amari Cooper this weekend. So I wouldn't want to... uh, I certainly wouldn't want to dial back and just play a load of zone against a guy that can absolutely spend his entire career 
eating up zone. And, and also, look, I, I think that, you know, one of the many areas where Jacoby Brissett struggles is identifying extra blitzers. And I think if we're sending six and the Browns have five in protection, that's his responsibility. It has been proven consistently that he can get home. Yeah, he's maneuverable in terms of getting out of the pocket. But I think you want to play to the strength of of what we do best rather than, um, you know, laying back and allowing a team to build against, you know, what would be a perceived weakness, which is switching up coverages to zone. Uh, I know Howard's not 100%. I know he's not had a, a career season. Um, I also don't agree that Amanda Logba has been awful, by the way. I, I don't think his pass rushing statistics necessarily match up to what he's... Uh, uh, to current to, to previous seasons, but I, I think he's been a solid player against the run. That's also very important. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily uh, agree on that. No, I, I I don't think I don't think I would. I, I know also you look at a guy like Donovan Donovan Peoples Jones. He's also had you know a pretty decent share of success against zone. David and Joku looks like he's going to be back as well. So I um I absolutely wouldn't be pivoting when I was facing a Jacoby Brissett led offense, but especially with a a receiver like a Amari Cooper. Chris? Yeah, I wouldn't, not yet. I mean, but um, it might be something that we, I don't know. I, I'm reluctant to just uh, make whole, to make a sudden change. Um, and also when it comes to something that is really the identity of the defense. Uh, the identity of the defense is, has been uh, a lot of man, a lot of man coverage. I mean, and, and it's not just, we're not just talking about Xavier Howard here. We're we're talking about the other players on the, in the secondary on the defense. You may say uh, they're they're not all that good and and such, but they were selected for man, right? Whether they're whether they're that great at it, whether Keon Crossan has a little bit of trouble with a guy with the size speed ratio of uh, of of uh, Chase Claypool or not, or whether. Um, you know, you're talking about Justin Bethel or uh, or Cater Coho. Um, these guys were selected for this defense, and they may not you know. Even go back to Noah Igmanogany. Noah Igmanogany he has his problems, um, and we we know that. And he's been terrible at, in, in different spots, but he was still selected to play man. And if you put him in zone, he's even worse. Mm. So, uh, you know, and I think that that's that's what you have to pay attention to. And that's what that's what I think uh, Josh Boyer's dilemma is um, in that secondary. So, yeah, I, I don't necessarily think it's it's time to, to move into a lot of zone. I think that is a little bit different than moving into a little bit more, you know, two man or something yeah. like that. Um, that that's uh, that that's a little bit different. And that maybe that is on the table and maybe getting Bradley Chubb is part of part of trying to step and take their uh, foot off the gas a little bit of the, um, the extra blitz packages and whatnot. Um, but uh, that might not be uh, for the reason Simon's already stated, that might not be the thing to do this weekend when you're facing Jacoby Brissett in, in particular. I so think, like you say there, Chris, I think they played some two man, some shell against mm -hmm. the certainly down the stretch of the game. But Alpha, I think that it's relevant not to switch to zone in that. Let's say we make the switch to zone after this week or in the bye coming into Houston, right? Hmm. But then Byron Jones comes back and now we've got our big money man corner coming back in and then you flip back again. To, uh, do, do you know what I mean? I just, hmm. I'm just not sure it makes that much sense. If you don't believe Byron Jones is coming back this season then I think it, you you contemplate it more, Chris, wouldn't you? But I think if you believe that Jones is coming back, then it would seem reductive to to switch to a formation that doesn't suit what you do best. Yeah, I I, I agree with you there. But um, I guess devil's advocate would be, uh, you know, Byron Jones. Byron Jones being the veteran that he is, if he does come back, you know, there are guys there are guys in there that I'm not sure how I, I'm not sure I trust them to switch to zone. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um. I think that's well, no one that's is obviously one like that's a yeah and I, I think you know and but we've got young guys in there we got a young guy like Cater Coho in there um too and and that's that's worth uh you know are we are we simplifying things for him or are we um are we complicating things for him he's a, he's a rookie from Texas A&M Commerce um so I think that uh you have to pay attention to what you have back there and whether you're simplifying or complicating the game for them and actually ironically byron jones when he comes back um 
you know, would probably actually have experience in zone and be able to play a little bit more of it if we needed to, or if we felt that it was appropriate. Um, but I, I just, I have a hard time trusting these guys. I have a hard time trusting Keon Crossan in, in zone. I have a hard time trusting Noah Igbenogany, certainly, um, in zone and Cater Coho is so, so young. Um, it's tough. It's a, it's, it's a tough decision. Uh, it's, it's part of Josh Boyer's, I guess, um, his cross to bear really right now, uh, is, is he's got to, he's got to figure out a way to deal with the injuries and produce better than one of the, you know, worst five defenses in the league, which is what we've been. Yeah. Uh, and as far as real numbers, Dolphins play the fourth most man in the NFL at 45.7% of the time. Um, now, what do you say to this, Simon, that circumstances have changed in that the offense can be trusted now? You want to play a little less volatile defense, so therefore a little bit more conservative. That's like the like the natural thinking, let's just say. Do you agree with that at all, or you stick with what you're doing? Sorry, I don't really understand the question. Okay, Uh what do you say to those that say, and that was a topic on, on a morning show this week, uh, on Joe Rose's morning, morning show, actually. And he was saying, circumstances have changed. You can you can trust your offense now much more. Like, they're going to score points. You want to play a defensive style that's much less volatile. And therefore, you want to get much more conservative on defense. I don't what do you say to those that say that that's the reason to start switching up a little bit more on your coverages? I don't think conservatism works, though. This is not what this defense has been built upon. I, look, mm. I, I think two things, right? The first is that, you know, and I, I don't have in front of me the time of possession statistics, but when you've got an offense that just moves up and down the field the way ours does, massive chunk plays all the time, we're not putting together seven, eight, nine, ten-minute drives. Do you know what I mean? These are mm. two minutes, 20, and three minutes, 14, and they're back on the field again. That That's point one. Point two, and I think it's slightly overplayed in terms of how our defense is playing, but, you know, we've given up 55 yards per game against the run two running backs, right? The, the, mm. the two anomalies have been Lamar Jackson and Justin Fields. Fields had 178 yards rushing, which has swayed the statistics fairly. I actually don't think we've we've played too badly in our base run defense. We've just been torn apart by these these two running quarterbacks. And, uh, and I think what people fail to see and fail to understand, and that's absolutely fine, but I think you have to take into consideration the fact that, you know, let's say a Justin Fields or a Lamar Jackson are dro- dropping back to throw one, two, three, four, nothing's open. They start to manipulate the pocket, move around a bit because they're athletic, five, six. Your defensive backs, because the way that we play, you've got more defensive backs on the field than than a lot of other teams in the league. All of a sudden, these guys that are, can evade the pocket and hit and get to the second level and then make yards, they're running into pockets that are have been left, have been vacated by your defensive backs, which is what Justin Fields did so well at the weekend. You know, It's what Lamar Jackson does week in, week out. Um, and when you have that level of athleticism and escapability, it, it does skew the statistics and it does make people go, oh, Josh Boyer sucks and our run game sucks. And I don't <laughs> think either of those things are true. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that playing, running, athletic, you know, Justin Fields is the most athletic player probably on that Chicago Bears team. Same with Lamar Jackson on the Ravens. I, I just don't think it's a it's a true assessment of what this team is defensively because you've been ripped apart by by two big running quarterbacks and and you know this was coming with Justin Fields you saw it against New England you saw it against whoever they played the following week was it Washington or Green Bay and you know the the, the Justin Fields big run game w- was coming um and that's just you know his running yards were in part down to the fact that our coverage was pretty decent on the back end um, you know, and he was just able to make use of the fact that all of a sudden the middle of the field was vacated because, if, like I said on Monday's show, if you're running backwards full pelt at 10 yards covering Cole Komet or Montgomery or or whoever out the backfield, and then you've got to sprint 10 yards to the sideline, and suddenly you flip your head because you hear the crowd noise rise, and it's because Justin Fields has run 25 yards down the other sideline, vacating a hole that you were in because nobody was open because you were doing your job on the back end, but he's just so good that he gets out of the pocket and you know, that's not going to happen this week with Jacoby Prezet. This That's not going to happen two weeks' time with Davis Mills. You know, so that's not going to happen with, with Jimmy Garoppolo when we're in San Francisco the, the following week. So I, I just think we've got to sort of slightly cool our jets a little bit when it comes to, like, calling for the head of this person and that person because situational football is very different to, you know, how the average fan views the game. 
Also, right. ironically, Simon, uh, you know, against those two opponents, or the particularly Lamar Jackson and uh, and Justin Fields, you know, we're we're talking about you know, should we pivot to zone and so 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 on. Those are the games that you actually might want to pivot to zone, right? Because yes. because of the factor that you you just you just mentioned. And man, everybody's got their backs turned, and and wow. now all of a sudden, you got a guy escape. We tried to get away with not pivoting to zone sticking with man and then having spies and our spies got beaten. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and so we, we put it on the, we put it on the front, the defensive front, we put it on the linebackers um, and, and the Except underneath Duke Riley. Except Duke Riley. Let's, uh, you know, let's be fair. Well, yeah, yeah, but uh, we put it on them to, uh, to, to stop them. And though they were not up to the task, they weren't up to the task because those guys are just, well, they're just too uh, too athletic and too uh, too good at making people miss and and finding uh, finding lanes and and getting it done. So um, so I think that it, it would be weird to to switch now to zone when we're not going to face those guys anymore. Yeah, you know, as we've gone over already, we don't have a guy on the on the schedule like uh, Justin Fields or like Lamar Jackson. Uh, so we switched to zone now. We're going to get whipsawed. We're just going to have a bunch of young young guys out there that uh, that don't really know what they're doing in zone. Um, and then we're going to get burned that way. And uh, in the meantime, you know, we're we're switching to zone against you know quarterbacks who aren't as big running threats. And and so I, I think it's a bad deal. I I think the identity of the defense you you, pro, you you have no almost no choice but to stay true to the identity of the defense. And I brought I've brought this up in the past, even when it comes to the blitzing and the zero blitzing and stuff like that. The team thrives off of the the energy when they when they blitz heavily and zero looks and they get home and they you know, the flow of the game starts to starts to track. And I think that you can't even give that up necessarily because this is this defense was built this way. And you can improve it. You can step off the gas a little, bit, a little bit and rely on guys, you know, newcomers like Bradley Chubb uh, to get home a little bit better. But you you do have to stay true to the to the way the defense is built. I I do believe that. Yeah, and I just think, look, you know, who have we got? Jacoby Brissett, no, he's not going to hurt you like that. Davis Mills, no, not going to hurt you like that. Garoppolo, no, not going to hurt you like that. Herbert, he can hurt you like that, but that's not really his game. Josh Allen, yes, we know he can do that. Uh, but he can't hurt you the same way that Lamar or Fields can hurt you. He can hurt you on third downs with picket, but mm -hmm. he's not going to run off a big seventy-five yarder. Generally speaking, you know, Aaron Rodgers is not going to is not going to do that. Mac Jones is not going to do that. Zach Wilson isn't going to do that. So, so you'd be changing your entire system really for one guy, which is Josh Allen, which just doesn't. You know, we play this guy twice a year anyway, so we know what's to be expected, and we beat him earlier in the year not by shifting our defensive formation to to something that doesn't suit how the whole thing has been schematically built mm -hmm. yeah it's it's you know it's just a it's just a question everybody looks at you know them you know signing bradley chubb to a, a long-term deal and think okay maybe maybe a shift is coming but maybe not this year mm. you know maybe this is something for the offseason where they're going to look at in the offseason maybe not having as as expensive corners and having a really expensive front seven, maybe that's what's going to happen. Yeah, I think. Well, I think I think in in the off season, you're also you also have to kind of acknowledge, especially we're at the halfway point a little bit more because the 17 game season. We're at the halfway point of the season right now, and and clearly the the defense. I mean, the defense are laggards in virtually every category. Um, they're they're one of the worst defenses in the red zone in the league. They're one of the worst defenses in the league in opponent passer rating. Um, which I really care not... about, and, and I have I have something, and you could go on in a little bit in a in a second, Chris. But uh, I was looking at that today. Uh, Dolphins historically have a very good passer rating differential, but it's all Tua. If Tua wasn't having the year he's having, they'd be bad. So That's imagine exactly if they right. were playing if they were playing like last year, where they gave up, I believe it was eighty two passer rating. Can you imagine that they would be a oh, plus yeah. almost forty in passer rating differential? It'd well, be historically be looking, great. We'd be looking at more at like a record closer to the. I mean, and, and it's not just keep in mind, Tua has got that passer rating, and that's why he's six and up, you know. But but yeah. I think as the starter, um, but I think that in addition to that, you know, um, 
I think you have to keep in mind what the other quarterbacks did uh, when when they were when they were out there on the field. So I, I think that um, yeah, the passer rating. If if we did if we did have that kind of opponent passer rating on defense, then you'd be looking more like a record like the Philadelphia Eagles have. Um, yeah. And and we do have ironic we do have that record with Tua. It's you know six and zero. We don't know if he would have won that Cincinnati game or not, or we don't know if he would have won the Minnesota game or the Jets game, but. But still, um, I think that uh, yeah, it's 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 encouraging that way on offense. And whenever you've seen quarterbacks have the kind of season that he's had, if they are able to um, keep it going for the entire season, that usually it often does equal a, a Super Bowl berth. I mean, I, I don't want to get our hopes up or anything, but um, so I, I think we do expect Tua to come down to earth a little bit more for sure. But that defense midway point. That defense is awful, uh, and there's there's no let's not let's not uh, let's not try and um, and discount it or or try and uh, understate it. It's been awful, and so Josh Boyer is very much coaching for the rest of the season for his tenure in Miami. That is, I mean that that I think that's just a fact, um, and I think that I think that at this point in the off season. When you're talking about do we switch to more zone, you know, and how we build the defense in the offseason and such, well, it starts with Josh Boyer. Is he still going to be here next year, or are we going to get Big Pangio or something like that? Yeah, you I know? think fundamental and philosophical change coming to that defense in the offseason, I, I think, you know, because there are some interesting pieces there. You're going to pay Christian Wilkins, you're going to have to pay Sealer. Um, you know, uh, Chubb has obviously been paid, Ogba's been paid, but you can get out of that next year, not too bad. Phillips is obviously there. They obviously drafted Tyndall for a reason and kind of want him to, you know, Baker has been paid. You, you probably sense it's a Landon Roberts' his last year. Holland is the next cab off the rank in terms of being paid. He'll be the third year of his four four year deal. So he'll be looking for a new contract. Jones probably won't be here. Brandon Jones, they obviously like what you know what he brings, especially. But if there is a fundamental change, does what Brandon Jones do in terms of alley running, playing close to the line of scrimmage, solid tackler, blitzing, that sort of thing, does that work in terms of what this team wants to do? Obviously, Howard will probably will, will still be here because of the restructured deal. But it does make you think about how, you know, do they need a, you know, are you looking for a big nose tackle, for example? How are they going to, mm. you know, what are they going to do at linebacker? Are they going to bulk up a little bit at linebacker? And you're looking at guys in the 240s rather than guys in the 225s. Um and how they play corner. Well, you know, what happens to Nick Needham contract, you know, does 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 Nick Needham's injury almost knock him out? Because you know, you could where does Kade Kohu fit? He's played so well. It, but is he a guy that you see as a future outside corner? Is he a guy that you see as a, you know, your future slot? What's the what's the deal there? So I think there's lots of fundamental questions that go well beyond coaching. But I think um schematically, it will be a very interesting offseason. It's clear the offense is absolutely singing, and we're in this window of two, three, four years with this offense is going to be absolutely flying. But mm. you know, and really, apart from a tight end and some, you know, a, a, a couple more upgrades on the offensive line, it's pretty, pretty stellar defensively. There's a lot of pieces there, but the pieces aren't quite clicking, um, and it's having a real effect. And I don't know whether that's because Byron is out. And because that now has a knock on effect on everything else that we want to do, because, you know, you just take Holland, for example, who we all thought could develop into an all pro. Not that he's had a bad year at all. He hasn't. He's had a good year, but he's not quite playing the same scheme because he's being forced to play differently because of the fact that we've got so many injuries on the back end. Yeah. Josh Boyer is a guy that and you can almost see it. Uh, you know, he's one of these guys that you, you can see right into his cranium and you can see like the wheels turning as guys go down. He asks his better players to pick up even more of the slack. And yeah, Holland's essentially playing like three positions. <laughs> you know, he's 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 doing almost everything. You know, I even saw him in on the boundary uh against Cole Komet on one snap against the the Bears. So yeah, he's being asked to do a lot. And so is Xavier Howard. Uh one last thing before we we get into the Browns. Um Frank Smith um, had an availability as the offensive coordinator of the Miami Dolphins, and he was asked uh, point blank, like, what's happening with Austin Jackson? Because he's practicing right now. And all of the coaches, it seems like they got the memo from, from up on high, talk up Brandon Shell and downplay Austin Jackson at all costs. It looks like they're going to start with the same group. What's happening with Austin Jackson? Because he's now active. He's now practicing. It doesn't look like Brandon Shell is losing his job anytime soon. Uh, 
what happens with Austin Jackson, Simon? I mean, do you want to throw Austin Jackson straight back into Miles Garrett after being out for eight mm-hmm. weeks? High ankle mm-hmm. sprain, not sold. That's necessarily the. I mean, I think the interesting one for me. I don't know what you think, Chris, but it's essentially two positions, isn't it? It's the duality of what they think of Shell at right tackle and what they think of Robert Jones at a left guard. And actually, I, I think Brandon Shell's played all right at right tackle. I don't think he's been amazing, and I think there were some certainly some breakdowns in in, in pass protection at the weekend. Um, but he's been serviceable, certainly. And you would think that as a swing tackle, as a guy that you can bring in as a, you know, he can do a job as a competent enough starter to keep you afloat. It's not the same as last year. And the question becomes, look, I think Robert Jones probably outplayed Brandon Shell in terms of position by position, in terms of jobs. But, you know, do you take a high first round, very athletic, high first round or middle of the first round draft pick who started left tackle, left guard, right tackle and stick him in at left guard next in between, you know, a borderline Hall of Famer and a you know a uh, and um a Pro Bowl center in terms of Connor Williams uh, and improve the line that way. So uh, I think it'll be interesting to see what they do. Um, but he's clearly not winning his job back in this week, and I kind of have to agree. I just wouldn't want to place him straight back onto the field, knowing that you're playing one of the top two or three pure pass rushes in the game. Yeah, I think um, I think that. That's that's what it is. Is you you broke you broke it down exactly right. They're they're not going to rush him back. They want to they want to pepper him in there. Uh, is what I think, and I think that's how they think. I think they don't believe in. I mean, just the one theme that I'm seeing uh, throughout the season from these guys and the off season training camp, preseason, etc. Is they don't try to put too much on these uh, on these offensive linemen's plates. All right, they they're not they're not the kind of team that cross trains everybody everywhere, um, that shifts the line all around. You know, moves moves this guy to this place, then this guy to this place, and this. You know, they they try and keep it relatively. Um, it's it's hard to play offensive line in this scheme because there's as much there's as much you know reading and sight adjusting going on with the offensive line in this uh, in this scheme as as, as a wide receiver, you know, um, there's, uh, there's a lot that goes into it. And so I don't think they try and put too much on these guys plates. And that's why I think that, you know, we're talking about, should we move, should we get creative? Could, could we move Austin Jackson, the left guard? Could we move Robert Hunt out to right tackle? Could we move and then put Robert Jones in our right guard? You know, on paper, that actually seems like a, a, a decent offensive line, uh, depending on what you think about Brandon Shell. Um, but it's not going to happen with these guys. It's not going to happen with these this coaching staff. So in that same vein, that's why you see, okay, Austin Jackson is just back. Is he really going to be thrown out there versus, um, you know, I, I think Miles, Miles Garrett will play more on the right side against uh, Teron Armstead, I, I think. But, um, but it, you know, are we going to throw him out there against – against their top pass rushers are we going to throw them out uh, throw him out there against uh miles garrett when he does play on the left side are we you know it's i don't think they're going to do that and clowny i believe right yeah now. it's clowny clowny on the other side but um are are they going to do that i don't think they're going to do that to him um and so i i do think that brandon shell while he did have some issues in pass perfection that i did not like last week and he's and he's really i think he's personally i think he's only had really the one really good game um I, and otherwise he's been mediocre to sub-mediocre uh but yeah you're gonna have to rely on him for at least one more week uh you might stick austin jackson out there if as perhaps a sixth offensive lineman in some um in some situations uh get creative that way but that's just getting his feet wet that's getting that's getting him back into the swing of things that's why they're downplaying him right now because uh, it's not just going to be suddenly, oh, Austin Jackson's back. He's starter. You know, I don't, I don't think that's how they they work. I think they try to to they go through uh, to lengths to try to make things easier, especially for the young guys that are making position switches. So, I, where the clock really starts running to me is after the bye week. You know, are they still sticking with Brandon Shell at uh, at right tackle uh, and Austin Jackson on the bench, or are we talking about? You know, Austin Jackson really starting to get back in and reclaim the space that, to be fair, and I've been an Austin Jackson critic for the longest time, uh, a spot that he earned um, in in training camp and preseason at right tackle. All right. All right. We're going to go to break right now. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the Cleveland Browns, Browns, Dolphins this Sunday. But first, 
these words. Do you have a water leak and can't find where it's coming from? Are you dealing with water or mold damage in your home or business? Then call Water Cleanup of Florida at 954-579-0356 for immediate assistance. With over 60 years of combined experience, Michael, Robert, and their team is prepared to handle all types of leak detection issues. 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. After the leak has been located and repaired, Water Cleanup of Florida will then clean, dry, and fully restore the damaged areas. Water Cleanup of Florida is fully licensed, insured, and certified to provide the one-stop shopping that busy homeowners and business owners require. There is no need to bring in other contractors. They will handle the entire project from start to finish. Service areas include Miami, Broward, and Palm Beach counties. Call Michael anytime on his personal cell phone at 954-579-0356. That's 954 954- Five seven nine zero three five six, or visit their website at wcufl.com. Water cleanup of Florida. If you have the schmutz, they have the guts. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, and we're back. And, of course, we have this game on Sunday. It's going to be a good one, I think. Uh, Simon, uh, Chris kind of knows this already, so I'll ask you, Simon, because I don't think you, you heard me. You're, you're Chris and I talking about this before we were on air. Do you have any idea which is by game score? And this is just an average of the guys that he covered versus what he actually gave up. Is Xavier Howard's best game as a Dolphin? Ever all this season. Ever. Uh, I would imagine it was, was that game against, excuse me, that game against New England where he had the couple of big picks of Tom Brady and I don't know. No idea. That's actually his second. So that's a pretty good guess. Technically, the best game he's ever played, okay, was September 23rd, 2018 against the Oakland Raiders. He was in coverage against Amari Cooper five times. He gave up one catch for nine yards. He had two interceptions. He had three PBUs on the other attempts. That's the best game he's ever played. Obviously, the the next question I'm going to ask you is, do you have an idea which is – Considered by game score, examine Howard's worst game as a Miami Dolphin. Uh, Dallas Cowboys against Amari yeah. Cooper. <laughs> yes, there it is. Yeah. The very following year, he gave up five first downs, six catches, 88 yards, two touchdowns. Okay. And a 158 passer rating. So essentially, anytime Dak Prescott threw to Amari Cooper, he was running around with, with the ball on, on Xavier Howard. That's a hell of a matchup this weekend. How do the Browns, as far as you've seen, Simon, because I have my ideas. I think everything is play-action driven with that team. How do they try to get the ball to Amari Cooper? Because that's going to be a matchup. I know Xavier Howard has this one circled, and I'm pretty sure Amari Cooper has it as well. This is going to be a good matchup. Yeah, I mean, Amari Cooper's a really good player. Um, and, you know, I've seen a bit of the Browns this season. They've been on uh, on telly a few times over here, and, you know, when they get in the ball, he he makes yards. He was outstanding against the Bengals. I thought um, they definitely don't want to give him the ball to throw it. Uh, I don't know if you saw his pass against the Bengals, but that was one of the worst things I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> yeah, he can't throw it. But yeah, I mean, the last time these two played, Xavier was yeah in big trouble, and and, and Cooper just tore him a new asshole essentially for for four <laughs> quarters. So we don't need that uh, on Sunday. So. Um, yeah, I mean, he's just a great player. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it, you know, games are won and lost by big players. And Amari Cooper's a big player. And if he gets the better of Xavier Howard, then we could be in trouble because the, the Browns are a really good team. They've got a lot of really good players. You know, the quarterback aside, you know, even the quarterback, though, you know, he made enough plays to win the game, more than enough plays to win the game against the Bengals the other night. You know, the Bengals are a really good team. and The Browns absolutely shellacked them. They've got a great running game. They've got an outstanding offensive line. They've got the two best guards in the league in, internally, inside, in Wyatt Teller and um, and Joel Batonio. So, you know, that combo is is outstanding defensively. Obviously, Garrett, Joker's going to be back on offense. Garrett uh, on the defensive line, um, you know, and then if uh, I think Jeremiah Wusu-Koromo is going to be playing, 
which is big. Uh, and then on the back end, they've got just really good players on the back end. Greg Newsom's that started off slowly this season has come flying back. Martin Emerson's a really good rookie corner. Delpit's a good player. John mm. Johnson comes downhill really fast. Sort of what you'll find about John Johnson is he'll do a little bit of the same thing that Taron Johnson does for the for the Bills, which is sort of sit in that sort of middle area of the field, which is where I think obviously two is so good and where we're so so dominant is that middle area of the field. I think that's what they'll try and do, flood that 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 area with with a guy like John Johnson. But you know, in terms of corners, you know, you know, you're talking they're four deep in terms of Emerson and and Greg Newsom and Denzel Ward and Greedy Williams. So, you know, there's a lot to go around. There's a lot to, to there's a lot for the Bengals, uh, a lot for the Browns to, you know, win for them, puts them, you know, back into into contention with with their quarterback coming off the uh, off the suspended list pretty soon. So I, I think this is a massive game for the Dolphins and I, I don't think it'll be easy. Uh, Chris, do you remember the last time the Dolphins played the Browns? We were at the stadium and it went to, it was an overtime kickerama. Do you remember? <laughs> I do remember. <laughs> and then after afterwards, afterwards we're we're looking at interviewing players. Uh, Kenyon Drake being kind of a dick. Um, and uh, oh, that was the that was the, that was the game where that that was the game where uh, where Ryan Ryan Tannehill played that game, right? And yeah, he did. And and that was the game. That was the game where he uh, sat there uh, toweling uh, toweling his tank for like five minutes. And Jaya and Jaya Jai's, uh, you know, uh, his run was born in that game. With That's the game-winning right. touchdown in, in overtime. Yeah. Speaking of that back end, Denzel uh, Ward and Greg Newsom are both on the injury report. It's unclear whether they will play or not. Greedy Williams has had a decent year. If you believe if you believe a lot of the advanced stats, Greedy Williams is actually pretty damn good. And that's why we brought him up on, on our trade deadline show. You know, what would the Browns be sellers of Greedy Williams and his and his contract? Uh He's a free agent at the end of the year, by the way, I believe, because he was a second-round pick. I don't know if I have that right or not, or he has one more year left on his deal. But um, same question, Chris. Uh, how how are they going to get the ball to Amari Cooper? Is it as simple as, for what I've seen, it's it's a lot of setup because they're not going to just drop back and try to work Amari Cooper against against your zone or against man coverage and then try to clear it out for him to, for him to work uh, on one side or not. It's... It's it's mostly a setup. Like they want to get that running game going. Like they're, they're like they're the one of the most likely teams. I don't know if you have the numbers and you could look for them. Their run percentage on first down. Uh, I saw something where, like, they were first for most of the year, and nobody was even close to their run percentage on first down. Uh, your thoughts on how they're going to try to work this passing game against Miami, Chris? I mean, if it were if it were me, and uh, uh, knowing that. Xavier Howard is going to be all over Amari Cooper. Um, and knowing that Xavier Howard has sort of a, can, can have issues at times when you move him around. Um, and he's, and he's got to travel with receivers. Uh, you know, that's what you do. That's you're, you're having them, you're having to move around. You're having to move them uh, into, into odd positions. Um, maybe the slot or, you know, just, just different ba- you could have them. You could have them and uh, out there in trips versus trips, and see if you can pick them off. You, you, there's there's a lot of games that uh, that you could play moving Amari Cooper around, and I think that that's that's the way that you attack Xavier Howard. And I, I don't know that I don't have a stat to back this up right now. If I if I could easily find it, I probably would try. But um, but it seems to me this year that Xavier Howard has spent a lot of time uh, traveling. Uh, the field against individual players as a matchup. And, um, and I don't know that that's always been the case in his history in Miami. And it has been a, it has been a thing that's gotten him in in trouble in the past. So that's, that's that. Um, But really in this game, I think, I think what's interesting about this game, and I'm actually quite thankful that this is going to be played um, at home. Uh, because so far the defense has been very different at home than it has been uh, on the road. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the thing that's interesting about this game is there's a lot of strength on strength in this game. Yeah. Uh, you talked about you talk about the uh, the Cleveland Browns run game, very good run game. They have uh, they have a good run game featuring their their running backs. Um, well, at the same time, as Simon pointed out earlier in the show take out what the the running quarterbacks have done, Lamar Jackson and Justin Fields. 
and we're allowing something like only 50 yards, uh, 50, 55 yards a game against mm-hmm. running backs. Um, our run defense has been strong, has been very strong. I think that that's a, um, that's a strength on strength, you know? Um, I think that if you look at uh, the Cleveland Browns on offense as in, in different, well, we're just, we're talking, we're talking ad nauseum about Amari Cooper versus Xavier Howard. That's strength on strength. You know, that's yeah. what that is. Uh, you're looking at uh, on the defensive side of the ball, you know, John Johnson, who I've always had a, a ton of respect for, uh, is is going to be playing, as Simon says, is going to be playing in that middle of the speed, the field where Tua has, I mean, he's been, he's been more active in that middle of the field, that area of the field, than any other quarterback in the uh, NFL right now, you know that's that that is reality, and um, and so John Johnson will attempt to take some of that away, and I think that's a good player. That's sort of a strength on strength uh, thing happening um, there. Uh, I think that you look at Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett, he plays mostly on the right side of the line. It's probably a good seventy-five, you know, eighty percent of the time, and so he's going to be facing a lot of Teron Armstrong, strength on strength, you know. Um, I think that across the field, you're noticing a lot of that, a lot of the, the strength on strength. And so what, what starts to interest me is what about, what about areas where it's not necessarily strength on strength? What about David and Joku? You know, what about David and Joku when, when we start trying to shut him down? And I know Eric Rowe in the past has been, you know, the, the tight ends guy. Um, but where is he at right now in, in that respect? Um, that's not necessarily strength on strength, and and so uh, on. Unjoku, by the way, he's a DMP uh, on his latest. Oh, is he? Is he really? Yeah, uh, ankle well, issue. He has an ankle well, issue. Screw me. I should have. Uh, I should have uh, checked the injury report. I didn't. So, but he's. Oh wait. So is he DMP? Not going to play, or is he DMP? But still, might play. Game status. Uh, the Browns. Uh, they they're one of these teams that does this very weird thing game status they put unspecified on every single guy so he's unspecified but did not practice on his well, I, 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 we'll have to we'll have to check on the the status as we go through the week because there's been a lot of i mean we've had some dnps that uh that clearly end up playing um on game day as well so we'll have to keep an eye on that but that's not that's not a strength on strength issue so it's something that i would pay attention to um you know the the defensive front of uh of the Cleveland Browns, even outside of Miles Garrett, versus Miami's offensive line, which outside of Teron Armstead, um, can be iffy, you know, and, and that's that's not necessarily strength on strength. Uh, so i I would keep I would kind of keep an, uh, an eye on some of those, like you know, as opposed to thinking about Amari Cooper, we should be thinking about Donovan Peoples Jones. <laughs> You know mm-hmm. what? What what is he going to do uh, against uh, against Miami's offense? I think that that's um, that's more of a question that would I don't know would trouble me. I guess I, sh- I should say. So uh, yeah, I think I think it'll be interesting in that respect, and it's going to come down to how some of those younger, less experienced, quite frankly, less good defensive secondary players in the uh, of the dolphins can match up against uh, against guys like Njoku if he plays or Donovan Peoples Jones um or Bell you know that's i think that's going to be a, a big deal i think it's going to be really interesting when we have the ball and i i also think Cleveland will just try and establish the run using the offensive line and just try and pound it down our throats in because why wouldn't you when you've got those two backs that you've got i think for the dolphins when they have the ball I think and I hope that they're going to be watching a lot of that Bengals tape because presumably the Browns are going to take a similar approach as they did against Cincinnati, another explosive high-powered offense, you know, where they essentially operated out of that sort of too high look, keeping everything in front of them, um, you know, giving also extra help when we we try and stretch the field. And obviously, I know the Bengals didn't have Jamar Chase, but they still had T. Higgins, still had Tyler Boyd, you know, still a you know an explosive offense. Um, but uh, I think, you know, if they keep everything in front of them, that obviously affords them the ability to play downhill. And in Josh Johnson, they've got one of the best downhill players, secondary players in the league. Same with Grant Delpit. Delpit's a really good down. I mean, he can cover, but he's also a really good downhill player. I remember when you go back to, to Johnson, though, do you remember, um, was it last season? Johnson missed the tackle on that long 75 yard touchdown when he, when Tyreek was at the, 
at the Chiefs, the one where he uh, sort of caught the ball after about 10 yards and then ran 65. So I think if Tua's mm-hmm. one high, he's just going to attack it and just try and stretch the field. But actually, I wonder if the Browns almost try and use that against him by disguising coverages, making him think they're in one high, only to sort of drop that second safety back post snap. And if they play three safeties, almost Johnson playing as that sort of Teron Johnson kind of third linebacker type. I mean, it's risky on their end. Um, but, you know, presenting too high and then converting to a, a cover three or a cover three robber or whatever is you know, switching up the look might cause some confusion in the middle of the field, an area that we've just been absolutely dominant in. So it'll be fascinating to see the the chess match and how it works, because I, I don't think, you know, of, of this run of five games that we've all been looking at trying to pick up, you know, go 5-0 and against the weaker part of the schedule. This definitely is the strongest part of the, the schedule. And I would absolutely ignore the Browns record and look at the talent that they've got on their on their team because it's, um, it's a good team. Are they going to be able to recreate? I mean, because I've, I've been waiting to see this against both the lions and the bears um defenses i mean because what think about the beginning of the uh the steelers game and how tua was dicing them up they were they were still in their zone stuff um and tua was just killing them in the beginning of the game but then they clearly pivoted the, yeah. the Steelers clearly pivoted in the middle in, in the middle of the game and how they're going to play um, defense against the Dolphins, how they're going to play coverage, and it gave it gave the Dolphins a lot of trouble, right, yeah. uh, for the rest of that game. And I haven't seen that recreated by either the Lions or the the Bears, and I'm which is very curious to me because you would think that you'd watch that tape and 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 notice things. Yeah. Um, can the Browns do that? I think they probably can. What I think is fascinating, though, is that I think, and I'd have to go back and watch that Pittsburgh game, but I think we weren't running as much of those. So, you know, the jet motion where or where mm-hmm. Ingold goes and runs what looks like a wheel route and Tua goes to the sideline then comes back inside to freeze the defender. And mm-hmm. it felt like in Pittsburgh that we weren't running as much of that in the you, know, you go back to that Bengals game. There were so many times where we went through across the middle, but but we had the outside guy, which was just holding the the free the the free as in uncovered free safety rather than the actual free safety. Um, and it felt like we weren't doing as much of that against the Steelers and kind of sort of trying to batter down the the same door rather than mixing up. Which I it, I also thought was Mike McDaniel's probably his worst overall game just in terms of the whole mm. bigger picture. Um, and I, I can't think that either the you know uh, an Aaron Glenn or a um or whoever the Bears DC is whose name completely escapes me would have not have looked at that Pittsburgh game and thought this is the way that we can counter that and then just summarily didn't. But I also think that on a lot of those middle field throws that we've done in the last two games, we've had a lot of action outside the numbers in terms of guys running you know sometimes open down the sideline that has just caused a a, a freeze situation. Do you know what I mean in terms mm. of? Um, just causing defenders to freeze. What I think is interesting, talk, I talked about Martin Emerson earlier. Emerson will obviously have played against Jalen Waddell and Tua uh, in the SEC. And, the, you know, I really like him. I liked him coming out a lot. But one thing he doesn't like is playing small receivers with great speed and great quick twitch ability. That was never his strength in the SEC, never his strength at Mississippi State. Um, you know, this was a guy that can physically go up against, a, you know, a Jamar Chase or, a, you know, some of the big tall receivers in the AFC. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how he played. Denzel Ward obviously has really struggled this season. He's not had a very good year at all. Um, so, yeah, I think it's going to be a, a, just such an intriguing matchup. But I, I do think those motions and and uh, and that movement outside the numbers has really helped. Because we saw it early in the, in the year, didn't we, with, with defensively where teams were stopping our cover zero or bringing that late um, motion, which kind mm. of just pause for and I think we've sort of countered that in part because we haven't run as much cover zero but also you know the following couple of weeks it was like okay we worked out exactly how we can evade that situation I think that's what we did post the Steelers game is McDaniel just went back into the the great big witch's pot that he's got and just stirred up the brew and was like right this is how we need to counter this middle of the field bullshit that the Steelers used the other thing is that you know Pittsburgh did that in many ways because of the ability of Minka Fitzpatrick. Yeah, and, 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 yeah, and one one th- one thing that's clear they they would come out and and they would have a look that would look like a like a Tampa two, and then Minka would you know become the robber and drift toward the the smack dab center of the field, and that was spooking Tua. 
Uh, there's no Minka Fitzpatrick this week to do that. And if they do that, look what Chicago. If you look at Chicago, especially in the second half, okay, they were definitely afraid. And to be honest with you, I think Tua should have hit that one at the end. And if he hits that one at the end, it's it's even for more emphasis. They were, you know, they forgot about all the rules that you have to playing Tampa two or to playing cover three or cover six because they were, they were just afraid of us dialing up because they wanted the blitz, by the way, in the second half. They were afraid of us just dialing up a nine route on the outside and just, you know, just throwing it as far as Tua can and then have one of our guys run under it. They were playing their safeties all the way off of the hash, almost directly over the numbers. It was ridiculous. Pittsburgh could didn't do that, but I think it's different now. I think Tua's sharper. I think Tua was rusty, and he was completely spooked by Mika Fitzpatrick in, in that game. I think teams will always find a way to slow things down for a little while, but I just think the McDaniel's shown generally he's very good at adjustments, um, both in-game and certainly in the week in terms of getting into the, the Tuesday club and just really sort of smashing it in terms of just thinking that this is what we can do and this is how we can, you know, avoid this situation happening again. So, you know, I think that, again, I would expect us to see us dominating the passing. I just don't think there's a team in the league that can shut us down in terms of the passing game because I just don't think we've got too much ability to... And also, I think we don't do it. People talk about the Dolphins running game is really average. It kind of is average, but it's because we don't run the ball that often because we just... Yeah. Like, we use mm. short passes to 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 be part of the run game. That's almost an extension of... Go back to doing what the Patriots did when when Tom Brady used to take the snap, stand up, throw it directly straight to Welker or Edelman and whatever, and they pick up four or five yards, and you know, there's your first down. There's your um, you know, your first down, you put yourself in second and five, second and four, just the same as you would with a running play. Do you know what I mean? And that's just we often have used short passes to our to our benefit. I think if we were to say, if McDaniel say, you know what, we're going to run the ball 40 times this game, I think you'd see, you know, big numbers. I think Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson, I mean, Mostert has been so close to breaking big runs. Um, I mean, it doesn't have the second most 10 plus yard runs this season behind somebody. I can't remember who. So Saquon. It was maybe. behind Saquon Barkley. Yeah. So, you know, I don't think our lack of run game isn't because of the lack of talent in the running back uh, room. I just think it's because we throw the ball a lot and we're not on the field that often. You know, we often have five play drives, one run, four throws, one touchdown, boom. Do you know what I mean? It's that because that's just the explosive nature of our offense. We're not, as I said earlier, we're not a nine, 10 minute drive team, 17 plays. That's just not what we do. Well, I, th- I think um, you bring up a good point and it's actually, this is how the game could, could unfold because I mentioned, you know, strength on strength versus strength on not strength before. Uh, we're we're gaining five five point oh yards a carry out of eleven personnel uh, on the ground. You know we're gaining four point eight yards per carry on the ground out of twenty one personnel. Where where you know they have the fullback on the field, um, Alec Ingold, in addition to the the halfback and just one tight end. Um, our regular run offense, uh, it, you know eleven personnel, twenty one personnel is really good actually, or really efficient, I should say. Um, it's earlier in the year, we had a lot of trouble with, uh, running out of two tight end, uh, personnel groupings and we've all but given it up. I mean, I think they only did it twice in the, in the last game. Um, and and then there's, there's clearly an issue in short yardage that we've all seen. We don't even need to, we don't even need to attack the stats on that one. Um, I think that, uh, I think that our run offense in terms of, you know, whether you're talking the analytics with EPA and stuff like that. Our run offense is actually very good. Um, our regular run offense with the running backs and the Browns run defense is not. <laughs> the Browns run defense is actually quite bad uh, against running backs. Uh, and so we're at home. And given that, and given Mike McDaniel's history as sort of a, a tinkering, you know, uh, a tinkering so called genius with the the run the run game, that's, that's kind of how I see the game playing out. Actually, is is the main exploit. And so, um, so yeah, I, I think that uh, I think that you're right on. But that's um, that could be that could be how the Dolphins really decide to attack. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm trying to see if there's any rhyme or reason to how the Browns have played this year. They have one extremely impressive performance against the Bengals at home. They have one really bad one at home against the Patriots, where they got absolutely boat raced by the Patriots of all people and Bailey Zappi, I believe. So, which tells you all you need to know. But the three games that they've played on the road 
there's there's like a theme developing. It's been they all three have been slugfests. They lost to the Panthers 26-24. They lost to the Falcons 23-20 and they lost to the Ravens 23-20. I saw that Ravens game. That Ravens game wasn't as close as that final score, although it got really really close toward the end. But Ravens were mostly dominating that game and were doing that thing where remember at that time the Ravens were were considered one of these teams that couldn't close. They were doing that thing where they were just allowing the Browns to hang around, hang around. And sure enough, they just, they, they won it at the end, but I don't, well, I don't know. I don't see the rhyme or reason where they're different on the road as at home. Uh, I would say at home, their offense is better. I, I would say that. Well, I don't know if you I mean, saw anything. To your point though, you know, th- look at that, those two games or two of those games. Anyway, the, the Ravens game on the road and the, um and the Falcons game on the road, Falcons, Falcons ran the ball 35 times and gained over 200 yards. Mm. You know, um, the, the Ravens ran it 44 times. <laughs> Imagine 44 runs. And, and that's, you know, that could be to me that that's, that could be where we see the exploit. That's good. That could be where we see the action in this game. Yeah, I, 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 you know, I think it's obvious. Uh, you got to rely on uh, your defense has to hold them down. You, know, you don't want to get into, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm not saying a track meet. I don't fear a track meet against anybody because that's kind of like what we do. But you don't want them in a rhythm, rhythm, and their rhythm to me, man. I don't know if you did. You get those numbers, by the way, their run percentage on first down, because their rhythm. When every time I see the Browns, it's the same thing to me. I look at them and it's run, run, pass, run, run, pass, play action, pass run play action pass run mm-hmm. run pass like they have a, a they have a rhythm to how they call offense and how they play offense and at their best it's essentially those two running backs running for 250 yards and their quarterback throwing for 150 but hitting one big play to Amari Cooper like that's at their best what they mm-hmm. kind of look like so yeah I, I don't have the stats on by the way but yeah, yeah. I, I'm gonna look them up and you know I'll post them on OnlyFans and then I'm uh, on, on our Twitter account on through IPC when I get a chance all right, we got to talk about this game, how it's going to work out. Simon, uh, I'll you'll go first. I have no idea, but I'll say my piece after you. How do you think this game plays out? Uh, and give me your score. Miami 37, Cleveland 31. Hmm. So you have a pile of points being put up. So everybody's in rhythm. <laughs> in, in, in your universe, everybody's in, in rhythm in this game. Huh. Yeah. Look, uh, I think the Dolphins, they're, you know, they're, they're different at home on defense. I think they play much better on defense. I think the Browns need that rhythm to put up points on the Dolphins. I don't think they will, but I could see how, the, how they can shorten the game. And this could be an, another one of those 23-20 slugfests that they tend to play on the road because they're essentially just running out the clock from the opening gun. So I want to say it happens again. But this time, the Dolphins' offense is too potent, and they can't hold it down. Dolphins 27, Browns 21. All right, Chris? I think uh, we're looking at like a 26-17 to 17 ball game here. I don't think Miami scores quite as potently because I think that we're, we're going to slow the game down. Or I, Well, I guess, I guess more to the point, they speed the game up, really. Um, this will be like kind of a game that's, that's over at like 345 in the afternoon. Um, I think that, yeah, that's what you'll see. You'll see some points on a, on a per drive basis, but, you know, maybe overall 26 points on offense. And I, I think that they are going to, I think that one of the key things about, uh, about this is the defensive staff that are here. Um, also, I mean, they coach, they were, they were there when Jacoby Brissett was in Miami. And I think that that's a factor. Um, and I think that's more of a factor than the, than Jacoby Brissett having, you know, played against the defense, uh, the style of defense. I think that um, I think that that's going to be a big thing. I think that's going to be a factor. Another controlling factor. And this is going to be, you know, Cleveland Browns is going to try to hit us with strength on strength. And at home, I like the home team for that. And if, and if you can't hit us with your strengths, then um, what do you got? And so that's that's what I think uh, is going to end up happening. Maybe a twenty six seventeen ball game. All right, yeah, and it's going to be a fun one. Uh, Browns have a really nice roster. If you could get past their their record, and you look at the, you know, some Dolphin fans are just going to look at the record. You know, these are just you know casual Dolphin fans. Like you know, they know their team. They don't know anybody else. They're going to look at that record. They're going to think it's it's an easy one. Then they're going to watch the Browns actually play. You're going to look at that roster and be like, wait a minute, 
you know, maybe Stefanski should get canned is, is, is the issue here because that's a lot of talent on one side of the ball, on both sides of the ball, really. I think it's going to be it's going to be a, a good test. I think the Dolphins pass it. All right, that's it. On Monday, we'll talk about this game. And then I guess it's a, it'll be a bye week next week, which is which is nice. Hopefully, they get into the bye week at seven and three. But till then, thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes on Podbean or your usual podcast provider. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.